0: Timothy chapter 6 uh, is where we're going to be tonight. Uh, to, to start with, we'll look at, we're going to be looking at several scriptures as we uh, consider this idea again of financial prosperity. As you're turning to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I do want to read kind of the key verse of this entire series called uh, Biblical Prosperity, uh, 3 John and verse number 2. Um, John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. And again, in this series we've looked at uh, spiritual prosperity and really that is the most important. Even as thy soul prospereth, um, our soul, our prosperity of our soul is the most important prosperity that we should be uh, focused in on. But then we also looked at emotional uh, prosperity. God desires that we would uh, have good relationships with those around us, and He's given us instruction in His Word to that end. And uh, should we follow God's Word and, and His instructions in that, we'll see success in those uh, relationships. But when we stop following God's Word and do it our own way, that's what we mess up and get into trouble in our relationships with one another. And so we looked at that. We also Uh, looked at physical prosperity, um, because it does say here in verse number two, it says that thou mayest prosper and be in health, and uh, certainly God has given us some instruction as well in his word regarding our physical well-being, and if we would take the time to uh, look at what God's word has to say about that and then apply it, uh, it definitely would make a great difference in our physical well-being. Uh, but uh, when we kind of disregard all that and think that that's not important, uh, then a lot of times our health begins to pay the price. And so, um, and as we've looked at all of these, we've learned that they're all somewhat connected. Because the other, when we're not right with God, it's going to affect our relationship with other uh, other people. It's going to start affecting our health. And then we've been looking at financial prosperity as well. And that uh, when we're not right with God, it's going to affect our finances. Um, And when we're not right in our health, it's going to affect the other areas, and and on and on it goes. So uh, all of these are important, uh, but I think if we were to say which one is most important, certainly our spiritual relationship with God is most important, because then we'll be open to the other things in the Bible, um, the biblical principles regarding emotional prosperity and physical and financial prosperity. All right, that's kind of the uh, bringing us back up to speed on where we're at here. Uh, we looked a little bit last uh, last time, which was two weeks ago. Last week we didn't get to have church because it was a winter wonderland outside, and uh, it was a little bit sketchy the roads were, and and so we didn't get to have church last week. But this is uh, we did want to finish this uh, message that we started two weeks ago, and I uh, wanted just to quickly go through uh, some. What we looked at last time, just very, very quickly, I'm going to zip through this, but we looked at some general Bible principles regarding money, just some basic uh, principles regarding what the Bible says about our finances. We mentioned first that remember that everything we have is ultimately from God and belongs to Him, and we are simply stewards of what God has given to us. And again, the idea is like, well, wait, I worked for this. I earned this money. Well, we need to think a little even higher than that because, yes, you may have gone in and put in the hours and the work and the blood and the sweat and the tears to make that money. It was ultimately God who gave you the ability to do so in the first place. And uh, we looked at that verse in in Deuteronomy that said that. Um, And then we mentioned, uh, secondly, to keep God first in your finances. And uh, that's going to get mentioned again tonight in a practical aspect. Um, but uh, to keep God first in your finances, of course, we could say keep God first, period, uh, in your life. Um, and that should affect every area of our life. Keep God first in your relationships. Keep God first in your entertainment. Keep God first in, uh, in how you spend your time. Uh, keep God first in uh, you name it. Yes, keep God first. Preeminent uh, in every area of our life. Uh, that's where he deserves to be. That's where he desires to be. All right, keep God first in our finances. Secondly, we or thirdly, we said, be diligent and work hard. Um, that is a print Bible principle regarding money. Uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit, uh, a little bit more at the end of the message here. But uh, be diligent, work hard. Fourthly, we mentioned don't trust in your money. And uh, 1 Timothy 6.17 uh, gives us that that reference there. Um, Let me get there. You're already there. 617 says, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy good. That they do good, uh, that they may uh, be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. And uh, we said, don't trust in your money. And uh, here in America, our currency all has Every one of them has the phrase, in money we trust. No, right? In God we trust. And uh, it's reminding us of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, to, to not trust in uh, the almighty dollar, because that almighty dollar isn't actually all that almighty. Uh, it has wings. And it says here in uh, Proverbs 23, verse 5, Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings; they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. And uh, money spends a lot easier than it is earned. All right. And uh, so, uh, don't trust in that. And and of course, with the economy the way it is, I mean, well, we're the United States, the greatest country in the world, and our economy is awesome. Well, I just read an article or saw the headline uh, a week or two ago that said we just we just crossed the wonderful milestone of $30 trillion in national debt. Yay, aren't we so great as a nation? That's a scary thought because, of course, somebody's going to have to pay that back. And uh, I don't know that I really want it to be me, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, but it's going to be somebody, and it's going to be us. It's going to be our children, grandchildren, and on it goes, because um, that's going to that's gonna come crashing down. So as a result, let's not trust in our money. Um, you say, well, I've got a big bank account. Good. Well, it may not be big for long. <laughs> so, okay. Um, and we all understand the history here in America. We've understand the Great Depression in the 20s, we, we understand 2008, all of us were alive at that point, uh, we can see that it could happen, and and uh, you know, some people believe at this point uh, our economy is a, is a house of cards, and and there's a wind coming, and uh, it's going to blow that whole thing down, and, and that very well could be the case, so as a result, let's not trust in our riches, okay, and then fifthly, we said refuse to develop a love for money, and uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse number uh, 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And, uh, of course, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is. And uh, we we spent some time talking about that. Uh, and then, fifthly, we decided, or sixthly, we, we said, Decide to be rich toward God. Um That is really the focus that we should be having as believers, not in how big our bank account could be, but in laying up treasures in heaven. That's where our focus needs to be in being rich toward God. Um, All right, and so uh, that's what we talked about last time, and that brings us to tonight. Um, One, this isn't uh, in your outline here, but um, here's just a, a nice important thought for us. With the possessions that we have, the um, the car, the house, the the life that we have right now, the comfort we have here in America, um, as believers, we're called to hold something. We're, we're called to hold our uh, possessions, but we're to hold them with an open hand. Right. So here I have my my keys. I have on this. I have uh, my truck key. I have. My minivan, v, my minivan key fob. And uh, I wouldn't mind losing that because, you know, when I was a teenager, I had vowed that I would never be a minivan guy. And then I met a wife. I met my wife who her dream car literally is a minivan. Like, okay, isn't there something a little better than that? And she's like, no, I want a minivan. That's my dream car. I'm driving my dream car right now. And I'm like, I'm driving the car I vowed I would never drive when I was a teenager, okay? And then I have uh, I have my house key here, and then I've got uh, the church key, and then i got some other uh, lock keys here, okay? We can hold it, and we can hold it like this, like, hey, I'm going to hold on to this, and I'm never going to let it go. Or we can hold it like, God, here's what I'm holding, and I thank you for the blessings that I'm holding here. But if you want to take one of these things away, the Lord giveth, and the Lord... Take it away uh, like uh, Job said, and he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, so uh, hold the possessions in your hand, but hold them with an open hand, knowing that if God wills, he can take them away. I've got my health and I've got to hold on to it with all my might. OK, hold on to that even with an open hand saying, God, my life is yours. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to be thankful in life or in death. And Paul had to come to that conclusion in Philippians. So hold your possessions with an open hand. And uh, and also this thought kind of goes along with that. Possessions are okay as long as they don't possess you. Uh, having possessions is okay so long as possessions don't have you. And so... Um, I'm, I'm all for everybody having nice things and wonderful things, but as long as that's not your obsession, and if that gets taken away, then your whole life is over. Because Jesus said, um, our lives do not consist in the things that we possess. Um, that's not what our lives, that's not what should define us uh, by our possessions, but really our relationship with God. Someone once said this, money will buy a bed. But it will not buy sleep. Money will buy books, but it will not buy brains. Money will buy food, but it will not buy an appetite. Money will buy finery, but not beauty. It will buy a house, but not a home. It will buy medicine, but not health. Money will buy luxuries, but not culture. It will buy amusements, but not happiness. It will buy religion, but not salvation. And it will buy a passport to everywhere except for heaven. Um, And that's a good reminder for us on what really the value of money is. It can't buy the most important things in our life. Certainly it's important to have. um, We need to eat. Um, We need a home. We need a house. Uh, But but is it just a house or is it really a home? See, there's there's some differences there. And you cannot buy a passport to heaven. And that's uh, that's a good thought. Well, let's get into some specifics here very quickly tonight. And I want to go quickly through these uh, thoughts here. But what the Bible says um, about budgeting is what we're going to look at first tonight. What the Bible says about budgeting. And I'm not going to try to get into your own personal budget and tell you exactly how much you should be spending on this and how much you should be spending on that. No, no. That's not. We're going to just look at what the Bible says about this, okay? Um, so first, and uh, we've already mentioned it before, but uh, first, keep God first in your finances. And really, I don't think that that can be overstated because um, the Bible does talk about it quite a bit. Um, Proverbs three nine and ten says, "Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase." So the first. Uh, the first pay, the first uh, thing that should come out of our budget is uh, belongs to the Lord. Now I realize that most of us have our taxes taken out of our paychecks, and Social Security, and all the rest, and uh, and so now we have to decide. Okay, uh, Uncle Sam gets the first part, and uh, I understand that that's a practical measure that most of us have set up in our uh, pay situations however uh, God needs to be the first thing okay well a lot of us are like well the bank needs it for our, my mortgage and then the bank needs it for my car payment and then the electric company needs it for this and 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 I can't forget my cell phone bill I've got to pay them too and uh, well if there's leftover then maybe God will get some of that. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So, really, the Lord needs to be the first. Again, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we went through this. He needs to be the first check we write. Okay, I realize a lot of people here don't use checks anymore. And uh, some of us forget even how to fill those out. <laughs> you actually have to write out the numbers. On that big long line there, you know, 122, that, that's that's a lot of letters to write that out. Um, and uh, it's easier just to type that into the computer and, and let that, I, I understand that not everybody pays with check, but, but the first thing that we do with our money needs to be honoring the Lord. And when we do, uh, verse 10 of that passage says, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So who doesn't want to have the promise that God would bless them plentifully? Um, I think I want that blessing and promise, don't you? Well, the way we get that promise fulfilled is if we are honoring the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So keep God first in your finances and and first Corinthians 16 in practical instruction to the church at Corinth. Uh, Paul says this in verse number one, he says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. And here's what he says here, upon the first day of the week. Of course, we know that to be Sunday. We know that to be the Lord's day. Um, But what he's saying is, look, don't make this the last day of the week. Uh, We're to to make this a priority in our financial uh, budgeting to give to the Lord's work. He says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you. So that's not just the ones who feel like they can afford it, who are rolling it and say, well, I've got a bunch of leftover. I'll give it every one of you. So every one of us needs to be involved in this. Uh, This isn't just for the wealthy. This isn't just for those who uh, have extra. This is for every one of us. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, Paul gives practical instruction as saying, hey look, keep God first in your finances. The first day of the week, making it a priority. Not waiting until the... And, and and I realize that some of you give every two weeks or every month. I, I get that. And I'm not trying to say, you need to break it up into uh, giving on Sunday. I mean, if you want to be technical, go for it. Uh, but... Um, making sure that the Lord is first place in our finances. Uh, Decide that you're going to honor the Lord before anything else that you give first to the Lord's work, not last. So keep God first in your finances. What does the Bible say about budgeting? Keep God first in your finances. Secondly, save money. Save money. Saving money is not wrong. In fact, it's a biblical principle. Um proverbs eleven sixteen here's a great re- reference for that proverbs eleven sixteen a gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. I read a report this is this is several years old, um, but I think it still uh, delivers a great point here about uh, the lack of uh, of saving here in America it says Almost half of Americans report having less than $5,000 in savings and investments, including 1 out of 10, so 10%, who have no savings and no investments. Significantly, more than one-fourth of Americans did not save or invest any of their income in the past year. And again, this is quite a bit old, but I can't help but think that it's probably a somewhat current statistic as well. They did not save or invest. So 25% of the population did not save or invest any of their income in the past year. So again, strong men retain riches. But here's kind of a balance here. Wise, it is wise to save money, but we need to guard against worshiping our wealth, but instead use our wealth to work, to worship. Um, sometimes we want to hoard that money and worship that uh, like the fool did in Luke chapter 12 when he said, man, I've got all this money. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make bigger barns and, 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 and keep it for myself so that I can go and, and uh, look at my money. Look at all my possessions. And so like every day he goes to his barn, opens it up and says, yeah, it's all there. Doesn't that look good? I've got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of possessions. Um, that's not the purpose of wealth. The purpose isn't so that we worship it. It's so that we would use our wealth then to worship. You see? Again, uh, 1 Timothy 6. Your Bible is open there. In verse number 18. Charge, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world. That's us. Verse 18, That they do good. That they use their money to do good, their wealth, their riches, not to trust in them, but that they use those to worship, that they use those things uh, for good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Willing to communicate isn't exactly like, hey, I'm going to go write you an email. Uh, what Paul's referencing here when he says the word communicate, it's it's more like writing Not a text message, not a social media post, not an email, not a letter, but a check to somebody. Willing to communicate financially to those around you. Uh, Laying up in store, verse 19, for themselves a good foundation against the time uh, to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So uh, somebody said this. This is a great thought here, and it's a, a little bit of a tongue twister. It says, use your affluence for eternal influence. Isn't that a good thought? Use your affluence, however you say that word, for eternal influence. And that's what our, God's blessed you financially, wonderful. Use that for eternal influence. Uh, Don't just use it to hoard and to worship it. Okay? So save money. Um, And then, but don't worship it. (laughs) Save money but don't worship it all right next uh, thirdly here uh, biblical principle regarding budgeting spend less than you bring in. that's a novel thought. isn't that a great idea? Well, here it's a biblical pro- idea proverbs twenty one twenty in fact, turn over there very quickly, just so that you can see this verse proverbs 21, twenty one twenty. hear some Bibles turning but not it should, should be a little louder Proverbs twenty one twenty, says there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise but a foolish man spendeth it up um, so again spend less than you bring in do uh, you don't have to have everything that uh, everybody else has. Well, everybody else has uh, all these gizmos and gadgets and new things and, and new clothes and, and I just can't afford that, but i got to have it. It's not worth putting it on credit. It's not. Um, don't spend all that you make. Um, budget your money so that you are ending the month Better than you earned, because otherwise, a lot of people that's the opposite. They spend more than they brought in, and as a result, now they have they're they're behind and they have to catch up. Somebody said, or here's uh, here's some research. Research indicates that most households tend to spend 10 percent more than their income, no matter what the income level is. And so, well, I I'm going to get a big raise, and that's going to uh, allow me then to 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 save, and uh, most people end up increasing their standard of living whenever they get an increase of salary. But spend less than you bring in. Okay, so God's word does talk about budgeting, but it also talks about giving, and I've already touched on it a little bit as we went through the saving part. But um, but what the Bible says secondly here about giving? What does the Bible say about giving? Well, uh, a bit. Um, First of all, it says that giving is an evidence of your love for God. Uh, Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 and verse number 8. 2 Corinthians 8.8 says this. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. And uh, he's talking about giving. This is in the context of chapter 8. He's he's referencing the churches of Macedonia who they were not exactly rolling in it, but they still were faithful to give. And uh, verse number 8, he's saying, look, uh, in order to... Uh, prove the sincerity of your love, uh, you need to give. I know all of us, if I were to ask the question, do you love God, I think all of us would say, yes, I do. Well, one of the evidences or the proofs of giving, or of, of loving is by giving. Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave. Um, it was a uh, evidence, a proof of his love. And when we uh, say we love God and we're not willing to give to the Lord, uh, then I, according to the Bible, God would question your love. See? Uh, missionary Car- Amy Carmichael uh, once said that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. J. Vernon McGee said, and uh, he, he had a way with words, Jay Vernon McGee did. Um, somebody was telling me that he was from Oklahoma. I leave, lived in Oklahoma at, at, at one point, and so there you go. That's one reason why he had a way with words. Um, he said this, don't tell me you're trusting God until you trust him with your pocketbook. There you go, uh, Brother McGee. So giving is evidence of your love for God, and then uh, secondly, here uh, what God's Word says about giving: give generously. Second Corinthians eight, uh, again in verse number one says: Moreover, brethren, we do wit to you, I'm sorry, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So the, the, these churches in Macedonia, which were, uh, I believe, he was referring to the church at Philippi, that uh, they were not a well-to-do a church. Uh, their Their bank account wasn't very big, but but they were generous people, and they said, you know what? We want to bless the apostle Paul along his journey. We want to be generous, and they they gave. Financially, but they also gave, verse number five, they gave their own selves to the Lord. They were willing to give their time, their energy, themselves uh, to the work of God. According to a Gallup survey, almost half the total charitable contributions in the United States come from households with incomes of less than $30,000. Now I imagine this is a little bit older of a stat, but still, I don't think most of us would say that thirty thousand dollars was is an extremely high income. Um, and and here in in Moore, Oklahoma, where the cost of living is 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 less than it is in many parts of the country, thirty thousand dollars would would take you a lot farther here than it would take you in say San Francisco. Where you have to have, you need to be making probably two or three hundred thousand dollars to have a median income. Okay, let me read this statistic again. According to the survey, almost half the total charitable contributions in the U.S. come from households with incomes of less than thirty thousand dollars. These aren't rich people, but they're saying, Look, we need to give. And you know what? God makes a way for them. I remember when we were in Montana. Uh, uh, yeah, that 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 income, ballparkish. Okay, and uh, God made a way for us, and we endeavored to give generously and faithfully. It, it wasn't easy at times, but God made a way. And and uh, I'd get a phone call, and and there would be some kind of refund, and and there would be. Just every month, God would make a way for us. Um, so again, you don't have to be super wealthy to give generously. There's a bunch of people, uh, and here the church of Ma- the churches of Macedonia were examples to that effect. Don't have to be uh, super wealthy, but they were generous. And uh, I want to encourage all of us to be generous. Um, someone said this, money is so intimately related to the possessor that we cannot give money without giving ourselves. Um, And remember what Jesus said, you know, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, our hearts follow our wallet. I have a wallet here. And uh, we think that um, where our heart is, then our wallet will follow us. But actually, Jesus said, no, where we put our money is where our heart will follow. So if we put it over here, our hearts go, well, what's going on with that? And when we invest in the work of God, then our hearts follow our money. And uh, an encouragement for us: here's another. Uh, somebody said this: you cannot outgive God. Um, you say, "I can't afford to give, but I'm going to give anyway." Um, guess what, God? You can't outgive God. God is a generous God. So as we give generously, guess what? God promises to give generously back to us, more. Then we give to him. Give and it shall be given unto you. Um, So give generously. Uh, Thirdly, give cheerfully. Give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And the word cheerful is, um, another word for that is hilarious. God wants us to enjoy giving in the offering. Uh, And someone said this, God loves a cheerful giver, but he'll take it from a grouch too. (laughs) Um, And uh, we we accept uh, money from grouches as well here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. (laughs) Uh, But God loves a cheerful giver, and it's it's a blessing to give because he has blessed us, and it is a blessing to, uh, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's not necessary, someone said, to have great wealth in order to give cheerfully, um, and that's a that's a good thought there. So give cheerfully. Uh, next, give sacrificially uh, to the Lord's work in Acts chapter number four. And I'm not saying we need to do this here, uh, but in the early days of the uh, of the Christians of of the believers, in Acts chapter number four, uh, they had all things together and they. Uh, At the end of Acts chapter number four, it says this, neither was there any that uh, among them lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And uh, there was a man by the name of Barnabas. Verse 36 says of Acts chapter four, uh, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet. So there was. A sacrifice there for the Lord's work, and I'm not suggesting everybody go put your house in the market. And um, we we do need to we we do have that special offering coming up on our anniversary. Um, uh, so obviously, if the Lord puts that on your heart, by all means, be obedient to the Lord. Uh, but I'm not con- suggesting that tonight that everybody goes home and finds a realtor and we're going to sell our house. We're going to be homeless for the Lord's sake. No. Um, but maybe we could uh, do a little bit of sacrifice. Because uh, again, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Captain Levy, a believer from Philadelphia, was once asked how he could give so much to the Lord's work and still possess great wealth. The captain replied, Oh, that's simple. As I shovel it out, he shovels it in He shovels it in, and the Lord has a bigger shovel than I do. Uh, See, um, we need to be willing to give sacrificially to the Lord's work. If you want to make your money go as far as possible, someone said, give it to foreign missions. uh, Because then we get to send our money around the world, literally. And that's pretty special. So give sacrificially to the Lord's work. Uh, Lastly, here under this thought, remember the Lord's work in your estate planning. And this one is maybe a little controversial. um, But I think you can absolutely make a case in the scriptures for remembering the Lord's work after you are gone from this earth. Because what typically ends up happening with people's um, estate after they're gone is it gets divided among their family and again nothing wrong with that but many times uh, there's story after story after story of that money going to uh people who squander it when when you could and i'm not saying you don't want to remember your family and be a blessing in that way that's not what i'm saying here uh, but but we 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 send all that money to um our our family and then they end up squandering it living lives that are perhaps not very pleasing to the Lord. Uh, where you could maybe take a portion of that and, and send it to the Lord's work that would impact eternity. And uh, yes, yeah, still bless your family. Uh, still be a blessing in that way. But, but being wise in how you uh, pass that on after you're gone. Because you can still give to the Lord's work After you're gone from this world, wouldn't that be a blessing? Uh, Deuteronomy 8, 18 um, is is the reference there, and I'll just real quick turn turn there. It it doesn't say remember uh, the Lord's work in your estate planning, but again, I think you can make a case for it. It says, Thou shalt remember, verse 18, the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy father's. As it is this day, um, to remember the fact that all the wealth that you perhaps have accumulated over the course of your life, um, we need to remember the Lord and all that—that that it wasn't, you know, deciding what to do with that money. Um, I would encourage folks to remember the Lord's work, um, and uh, I'm not a—I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a. Um, advisor in that way. There's, there's good Christian uh, men out there who uh, do help Christians uh, rework their estate and their wills to include the Lord's work in that. And, uh, I would encourage you to uh, perhaps find one that that can do that. It says this old in our dead hands is what we have given away. Um, do your and someone else said this. Do your giving while you're living, so you'll know where it's going. And I think that maybe they were from Oklahoma too. Um, but uh, remember the Lord's work in your uh, estate planning. So what the Bible says about um, about giving, and then uh, two more thoughts here. Let's see if I can wrap this up in about five minutes. I think I can. What the Bible says about debt. Oh, debt. And no, I'm not going to pull Dave Ramsey on us here. Um, But here's here's some biblical uh, principles regarding uh, debt. First of all, avoid it. Avoid it. Uh, We're we're called to avoid owing any man anything. Uh, Proverbs 22 and uh, verse number 7. Proverbs 22, 7 says this. The rich ruleth over the poor... And the borrower is servant to the lender. Um, we need to remember that, you know, you you borrow money, you be you sign up for uh, slavery, really, to that lender. And uh, and I know that most of us, including myself, have um, a couple uh, banks that are my master. I mean, every month we have to pay a, our bank uh, our mortgage payment. And there is even a car payment for this minivan. Why did we do this again? So that I could get my wife her dream car. Um, But as soon as possible, we need to get rid of it, and and it's best to avoid it altogether. Um, There's a couple other references here, but I I don't want to take the time for that at the moment. Uh, I guess Deuteronomy 28.12 would be one that you can write down. Deuteronomy 28.12 and then Luke 14.28. Someone said this, often those who have trouble giving God 10% don't seem to have a problem giving 18% to MasterCard. And uh, Larry Burkett said, the average Christian pays more in interest than he gives to the Lord's work. In a church of 100 families, 37 will give zero to the Lord's work. Because we're so in debt, because we have to have all these things and we just charge it. And uh, credit card companies are glad to give you money because they know if you don't pay it, then they get a bunch over time. So avoid it altogether. The Bible has much to say about that. It also says, if you have it, pay it back. If you have it, pay it back. Ecclesiastes 5, four. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. And every one of us, when we agreed to borrow money, uh, promised to pay it back. And we need to fulfill that promise. And then uh, Psalm thirty seven twenty one is another reference as well. Psalm thirty-seven one. Uh, maybe I or twenty-one, there it is. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the right righteous showeth mercy and giveth. Uh, so if you borrow and don't pay, uh, the Bible calls that uh, the Bible calls those who do that wicked. See, so pay it back if you have done that, and then uh, avoid co-signing. is the Is the third thought on this, and this one takes a little more explanation. Um, we may save that for a different time because I do want to just try to finish this and, and get to some prayer requests here. Uh, but uh, avoid co-signing. Um, my 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 dad did this for me twice in my life. Uh once when I was um a teenager and uh I bought I bought a Ford Ranger Sport pickup. Uh short bed, no there was no room it, it, there was no like extra cab or anything like that. There was no room to like recline your seat. It was like one degree you can recline it. <laughs> Uh, but my dad had to pay, uh, co-sign for me because I had zero credit at the time. Um And my dad was very nervous about it, and he gave me a very stern lecture about making sure that I make the payments every month. And uh, if, if we don't, then it was uh, going to be uh, bad between he and I. Um, and then uh, the next time this happened as well um, was about three and a half years ago when we bought and sold our Montana home in eight days. And uh, that's a story for a different time. Um, but uh, my dad did that, and he was also nervous about that one too. <laughs> uh, and he was on the loan for less than two months, and uh, he was very thankful to be off the loan. But it can cause great problems uh, between uh, family members and friends, and uh, the Bible has a few things to say about it. Let me give you two references, and then we'll move on to the next thought. Proverbs 22, 26, and then Proverbs seventeen eighteen. And uh, I would like to speak more about that at a different time, because um, it, it's a it's an unwise thing to do. I know that sometimes as parents uh, you kind of get yanked into that, and and uh, just go into it understanding why there's a warning. Uh, last thought here: what the Bible says about earning money? Uh, work hard for it. We've already mentioned that. Uh, secondly, and last thought here: avoid quick get rich quick schemes there we go uh, so uh, work hard for it and then avoid get rich quick schemes and uh, this you know as God's people we don't need to be spending money on lottery tickets um, now if you win the lottery and you tithe then um, amen uh, but 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 honestly I, that that's not condoning it okay <laughs> That is not condoning it. Um, it it's it's gambling, and uh, and we need to be very careful. God's word has a lot to say about this too, and again, I'm out of time. These uh, quite a few verses, but um, but yes, then we maybe we can do that re, uh, remodeling project. <laughs> uh, stay away from uh, gambling, such as the lottery, such as going to the casinos. Um, we. That's not the way that God's Word has instructed us to get money. Um, he's uh, told us to work hard for it, and we already mentioned that a moment ago. Um, but here's here's just uh, here's a couple references. I, I can't not do that after saying all that. Um, I gotta balance it out with Scripture, okay? And uh, me and my big mouth. Um, Proverbs 28:22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Uh, that's stern, that's very stern. Um, and it goes back to loving money. It goes back to having a contented heart. And uh, and and so we need to avoid those get rich quick schemes and uh, all of that. All right, there's a lot more I wish I could say, but uh, again, we're out of time. So let's pray. And uh, and I better stay off my stay on my notes because uh, I get in trouble when I veer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word that gives us practical instruction regarding our finances and our financial prosperity. Lord, honestly, if if uh, we would just take the time to go through and run these scriptures and apply them to our financial life, uh, Lord, we would be financially way better off. If we would learn to save money, if we would learn to s- spend less than we make uh, every month, if we would learn to give if we would learn to uh stay away from those get rich quick schemes and and uh to be diligent in our work and to have a contented life and to avoid debt and lord i pray that uh if we do that we're we're in a much better place financially than uh than than we probably would be if we uh, totally neglected your word so lord i pray that you'd help us to be wise Um, and to manage the money, to be good stewards of the money that you have blessed us with, and to help us to apply these things and to be doers now of the Word of God uh, as we consider our finances. In Jesus' name, amen.